Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer. It's my boss, sports editor of the Union Tribune, Jay Posner. Jay, let's see. Padres <laughs> faced two really good pitchers the last couple of days. Padres lost. Padres didn't get hits. But it's bigger than that. And I think that we start here with, with the offense as the Padres get ready to face uh, the Cubs, who they got swept by before they came home uh, and split the series against the Mets. Uh, Jay, state of the Padres from your perspective. Well, there's 101 games to go, right? Very good, I yes. That's correct. So you don't want to say that it's like panic time or anything like that. But I, I thought that, that Bryce Miller's column put it well where he said, is there reason? I think he even said, is there reason for panic? No. Is there reason for concern? Absolutely. And I think that's a good way to put it. And, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about they're missing guys, and that's absolutely true. Trent Grisham has been missing for a long time, certainly longer than the Padres said he would be missing for. Austin Nola, I'm sure, comes as a surprise to everyone. Will miss more than the two weeks that the Padres originally said he would miss, and he's going to miss a lot more than two weeks. So they weren't even close on this one, which is a whole other issue about why they just can't be accurate when they assess injuries or honest one or the other. But it looks like Nola is not going to be around till the end of the month now. That's a big loss the more you think about it. I mean, I think Caratini and Webster Rivas are really good behind the plate. They might, Maybe they're even better than Austin Nola. I don't know. I don't know enough about, you know, all the ins and outs of catching. But I know they're not as good as he is at the plate, certainly not his capability. And it, it seems like, you know, Caratini's got more RBIs than you would have expected from him, but he's still not a great offensive weapon. And Rivas is, you know, he's a great story, but he's he seems like kind of a 4A type type player. That was a big at bat yesterday that he didn't come through on. But, of course, he's not alone in that situation. There's a lot of guys that are not 4A players or, or sort of at the fringes of the big leagues who didn't come through. So the short answer, which I did not give you, uh, obviously, because I just kept going, is there is reason to be concerned at this point. Now, what do they do about it? But in, in your answer, in your serpentine uh, answer there, very <laughs> Kevin Acey-like, uh, you did touch on a lot of things. Like, so Webster Rebus is a bat with the bases loaded yesterday. That's Webster Rebus. That's not who's supposed to be up in that, uh, you know, when you draw right. it up. That's not who's supposed to be up. But as you pointed out, he's not the only one not coming through in those situations. And so that would be your bigger problem or your bigger concern, I should say, going forward, right? That in certain situations, as in most situations uh, recently, as they are something like five for 44, in their last eight games, in which they're two and six. They're five for 44 in runners in scoring position. Um, Will Myers isn't coming through. Eric Hosmer is not coming through. Even at times, Fernando Tatis Jr. isn't coming through. You know, look, it's baseball. It's a tough game. Manny Machado has had a tough go of it for whatever reason. Uh, Jake Cronenworth is batting 160-something over the last uh, 12 games or so. Um, I do believe that there's a like a domino effect that that does happen, right? Uh, you're better when better players are around you. And there is a certain way that you stack the lineup and we'll go over the lineup and the Jay Singler acknowledges they might do some changes here. Uh, maybe get Fernando Tatis Jr. some more at-bats in games. But, you know, the amount of, and I've talked about it before, but it is, it's striking when you you had that little time where everybody was together and you're like, oh, wow, this lineup, man, we haven't seen this here in a long time. Now what I'm looking at is there's still more better players than there were in all those years. But 
there's those holes at the bottom. It's as if Austin Hedges is batting again, number eight, right? Yeah. And 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 as soon as you get there, you go, okay, well, this inning's over if there's a man on first or second. And and you know that might be a little unfair, but that's kind of how it is right now. Um, I do want to point out, Jay, and I was surprised by this. They have faced ten pitchers that are ranked in the top twenty-two in the National League in ERA. That's in 19 games. Dang. They have played like six games against uh, the players. Uh, the, the pitchers ranked in the top five in ERA. The Padres have faced some tough pitchers. In those 19 games, they're 9 and 10, Jay. Did that surprise you? Yeah, it did. I went, when I read that uh, in your newsletter, it did surprise me a little bit. And I do want to point out two, at least two of the hits. I couldn't tell you all five of the hits with runners in scoring position, although you'd think we could – come up with all five since there, haven't been, <laughs> since there haven't been very many but there there was a hit on saturday night with a runner in scoring position and cronenworth kind of got caught in a position where he didn't get a good read on the ball and he had to stop and then he broke back to second base for some reason and then had to stop at third base so he didn't score on a hit in, with a runner in scoring position and then yesterday uh Hassan kim got a hit and hit the ball. I mean, and, and again, he's one of those guys that shouldn't normally be in the lineup, but he did come through first and second. He got a hit, but he actually hit it too hard. Yes. And it was like a one, a one hopper to the right fielder. And of course they had to stop. I think it was Hosmer who was, who was running. One of the other things about that I do want to point out before we get back to what you were saying is situational hitting. It's not just runners in scoring position, but the other night. And again, I pointed this out on Twitter. It's easy to say, boy, you should do better against Jacob DeGrom and you should hit a ground ball. But it's like if ever you wanted Eric Hosmer to hit a ground ball to second base, it was the other night when he came up with a runner on second and nobody out and he popped up. And then there was another situation where uh, Myers was up in a situational hitting spot and he struck out. Uh, again, against Jacob deGrom. But there were spots, those are guys that are, they're both making $20 million. So you're counting on them to produce in those situations. And of course, they're not going to come through 100% of the time. But that was a case where they just needed to sort of put the ball in a, in certain areas and weren't able to. So it, it, it all kind of adds up. I mean, you don't, you don't get, right. the, but they have got runners in scoring position. I mean, you, I think you pointed out today or, or Bryce, one of you pointed out that they have left more runners in scoring position. I think this season, right. Than all but two teams yes. in all of baseball. So yeah. that's been a season long issue, you know, 44 at bats with runners in scoring position, not a ton no. over a week. So the last week they've had problem even getting guys in that spot, but all season long, they've had trouble driving them in. And I think, I think Machado's average with runners in scoring position is pretty good. Hosmer's is good. Uh, we know with two outs. Um, but, he, you know, Eric Hosmer's not going to hit 485 with runners in scoring position and two outs all year. So he's going to regress to the mean a bit. Other guys need to need to step up. Uh, but in, in terms of facing good pitchers, you know, most of the time you face good pitchers. But the Padres have also struggled against, and I don't have there any numbers go. to support it, but They've struggled against like every starting pitcher in the first four or five innings of games. We talked about it briefly last time. They have not done well at the beginning of games. And and I wonder, I, I don't know if some of that comes back to the lineup, if some of that comes back to Trent Grisham, uh, you know, not being there. I, I, I don't know what your feelings on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> they've, they've been so good at 
getting to the bullpens, right? Playing like the old-fashioned baseball, right? That, uh, oh, even though the bullpens are good, they, they've exploited bullpens. Uh, they've been good second, third time against a starter, mm-hmm. but early on in games, they're not so great. Now, they like they're, they have the record they have, which is still 11 games over 500, because right. they lead right. baseball and run differential in the final three innings of games. But, you know, that's not always going to work, and your situational hitting point was uh, important because, you know, they beat Corbin Burns. They found a way to beat the, the three Dodgers pitchers uh, in that series because of things that they did little. They beat out the back end of double plays. They stole bases. Right. They took extra bases. They put they strung together singles. They didn't crush those guys. As a matter of fact, you know, the big Tatis game against Bowers, the only game they lost in that, uh, in that series. It was mm-hmm. doing the little things right. And look, I do think that it has to do with, look, Jerickson Profar, absolutely one of the most confounding routes I've ever seen. And look, I'll I'll defend defenders all day because it's tougher than we think. But he came up, he came in and to the right on a ball he needed to go back and to the left on. It was bizarre. Little things like this add up. And all sorts of things where when you have – subs guys playing their second and third position day after day after day after day. I almost think we can't even quantify how much it affects a team. They're not the only team doing it, but I just do want to make sure we have that in our head um, that, that that's what's happening. Now they need to, at some point um, get everybody on the field or as close to everybody as you can and start stringing together some games where, okay, this is our lineup and we feel good about it. Right. And, the, and you know, but part of also being a really good team and a championship contending team is having depth uh, yep. and being able to fill in. And I, and I think this bench has versatile players like we've talked about. I mean, Hassan Kim has shown defensively that he's, he's definitely, a, to use the scout jargon, he's a plus defender probably at three different positions but he's definitely not a plus hitter. Jorge Mateo can play all over the field, but he's not the guy you want up in the ninth inning when you're trying to come back with with two runners on, which goes back to that would have been a nice situation even on a day off to have Manny Machado come up and pinch hit, but somehow he got himself thrown out in the first inning uh, of a game. And, I, it, you know, whatever whatever your feelings are about umpires and mine are well-known, on this podcast and anywhere else as, as anybody can tell you, but you still can't get yourself thrown out in the first inning of a game when you're on the bench. Jerickson Pro, Jerickson Profar has never been thrown out of a game until Saturday night. And then he has this odd reaction to getting called out on a pitch that wasn't even borderline. I mean, it was clearly a strike and, you know, he reacted and spun around and slammed his bat and the umpire at that point, you know, you're going to get thrown out in that situation. And, it's just I, I don't know if it's just the frustration boiling over or or what, but you, you would like to see guys react just a little bit better in that spot to at least the point where they stay in games because the Padres were close the other night to bringing up Profar's spot in the lineup. I think there might have been one hitter away, and he wouldn't have been there. And it, again, I think it would have been Mateo in that spot. And I'm not picking on Mateo. He's you know, but he he is what he is. He's he's not a guy that is one of your top eight or 10 offensive players. If you can, you'd like to avoid having him up in big situations. I'd almost rather have Brian O'Grady or uh, Tucapita Marcano in in those situations based on some of the tendencies that Jorge Mateo has. Um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, hitting the ball on the ground, uh, swinging at pitches that he maybe shouldn't. This Hot Lava Padres podcast segment is brought to you by Jack Powell Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram, located in Escondido and serving the San Diego community for over 60 years. And I don't know what, uh, it's one of the things with uh, the access being what it is. I don't know what it was that Manny Machado said. As a matter of fact, no one, almost no one uh, knew that Manny Machado had, uh, had been th- thrown out because they don't announce things. And it Which was so quick right. and, was, and it was so quick that yeah. uh, even when I asked about it in the middle of the game, we then had to wait till the end of the game. Cause I didn't see Manny anywhere uh, in, in the, uh, in the dugout. Someone had alerted me to, it sort of looked like maybe he did, but there'd been no reaction to it anyway. And um, I don't remember the umpire making two motion, making a motion to throw him out, to throw anybody out until Tingler came out of the dugout. Right. And then it was clear that he had gotten ejected, but I don't even remember seeing the umpire. Um, it was at the end of the Tatis at bat, and it must have been very quick, and or maybe all of us, you know, <laughs> 99% of us just took our eyes off the, the umpire. And yeah, the whole I thing. Know. I will say this. I think that uh, that crew in particular, Profar aside, with uh, your, your good point there, uh, they just didn't seem to be real interested in hearing any criticism about themselves. Uh, oh, no, no, total, total rabbit ears, <laughs> a total rabbit ear situation. Hunter Wendelstead is one of the all time guys, you know, thin skin, every little thing he hears, he's reacting to it instead of just going, you know, Gibson yesterday, did he really need to, to sort of walk toward the dugout when, when Tingler was yelling at him uh, about check the check swing situation, a you know, lot. could you, could you have, like where they say, stop, stop. Right. I want to hear like, wait a minute. It's, uh, he's, it's his right to come out and ask you something. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff. I mean, but look, right. most of the, most of the crews are crummy crews. You know, you're going to get bad umpiring most of the time. So it's, it's sort of a case of how do you react to it? And most, of, and look, to be honest, most of the time, these guys do a really good job of keeping their emotions in check when other people would just lose it at the at the moment of getting these these awful calls and 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 everybody knows umpires are going to make mistakes but they could react a little bit better to to their mistakes. So one last thing to to while I, I'm not saying that you're wrong about Manny and all that. I, when I covered baseball 20 years ago, I just felt like there were some different things. And one of them was kind of a code. Manny Machado in the dugout has to basically insult your mother to get thrown out, especially that quickly. You just threw out a team's best or second best player on a hair trigger in the Mm -hmm. first inning. I think that's garbage. Right. And and again, we don't know what was said or what the history was or anything, but you're right. This has been a common problem but nobody's coming to the the games to watch the umpires and you know they need to react better they need to do a better job the Padres probably need to do a little better job especially like we said profile the other night of of keeping their of keeping emotions in check but look it's a frustrating time we're talking about the frustration that they've had over the last week and so you know you can excuse that sort of thing now what cannot be excused is something I mentioned three weeks ago that might be changing tonight, finally, based on what we heard after the game yesterday, which is Fernando Tatis Jr. should not be hitting fourth in the lineup. And Kevin, I did not hear the post game yesterday, but does it sound like they might do something here and shake things? Because if ever there's going to be a time 
sort of move guys around in the lineup, it seems like now would be a good time to do it. It did. The question was specifically uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. was mentioned in the question about what would you consider, uh, you know, a shift there. And, and mm-hmm. Jace Tingler, who oftentimes will hem and haw and talk around something or answer a question you didn't ask, uh, <laughs> acknowledged that, you know, yeah. Absolutely. And, and and I think that that just speaks to sort of the uh, the situation that, you know, why, of course, you're, you're going to think about these these types of things. And your whole thing, Jay, is to get him more at bats and also get him up in the first inning. Right. Right. So yeah, that's absolutely the case. I just, you know, I think that was sort of like way back in the day you had, you know, you had your big guy hitting fourth. But that's changed many, many years ago to at least hit him third, I, whether he hits second or third. Uh, you know, to me, it doesn't even really make a big difference. I just think he should be in one of those um, in one of those spots. And, you know, Tommy Pham has been probably their what their second best hitter recently after. Yes, Texas. he has. So, Certainly has. Uh, you know, maybe he should be, up. you know, he should stay up in that spot as well. And uh, there's just and I don't care if it means three right handed batters in a row, one, two, three. So you have three right handed batters in a row. Cronenworth right now is not hitting well enough to be. Uh, in the three spot. So it, it does seem like a good time to shake up the lineup. And look, they're not five for 44 with runners in scoring position or losing six out of eight because Tatis has been hitting fourth because they won a bunch of games with him hitting <laughs> fourth. But it's just sort of the situation where you want to have your optimal lineup, I think. And, and I don't think the optimum lineup is having is having him hit in the four spot. We'll combine it with the fact that Machado hasn't been terrible. He's been getting on base. But, look, they don't have to really pitch to Manny either, uh, yeah. or, or, or Tatis for that matter, when Cronenworth isn't hitting and Hosmer isn't isn't hitting. Right. Um, so right. combine the fact that you want to get Tatis more at-bats with the fact the guys in front, you know, we could still be ignoring you, Jay, if uh, Machado and Cronenworth were producing um, because, they, you know, that probably would have uh, changed a few results. But right. that, that's right. not the case. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, when you get – back, I can understand having Tatis being fourth, though I agree with you that why wouldn't you have him hitting third, at, you know, mm-hmm. at least. Right. Uh, but but you get Grisham back, and, and the guy's got a 383 on-base percentage. You put Manny uh, second, put Tatis third. Sure, I'm down with that, right? Why not? That segment was brought to you by Hamul Casino. Real close, real friendly, and really fun. Here is a message from our sponsor. Going out is back, and Hamul Casino has a great event. The All-Star Block Party, June 12th, with free food and celebrity events. All guests in the casino get $20 free play. The All-Star Block Party, Saturday, June 12th at Hamul Casino. Get back to getting out. Cubs, coming up. We should talk about them before we go. Uh, they swept the Padres. Then they went to San Francisco, and if I'm not mistaken, lost the first three of four games they there. They did. <laughs> yeah, did uh, not do, they did not do the Padres many favors this past week. Uh beating them three in a row, then losing three in a row to the team ahead of the Padres. So did get a win yesterday. Uh, Patrick Wisdom, another home run, uh, or a couple more home runs, I think, over uh, over the weekend. So obviously uh, need to be careful with him. I think the, the most fascinating part of this of this series is is you Darvish pitching on Wednesday against the the team that he pitched for the uh, the last couple of years. So I'm sure that'll be uh, that'll be something to watch. And of course, just the Padres um, in in general. I mean, uh, Ad, Adbert Alzale pitches tonight's game, and then uh, Zach Davies will be on the mound tomorrow. We'll see what the Padres learned from from having him on their team last year, and then uh, Jake Arrieta, who has not been all that great 
this year. So this is not a situation where the Padres are facing, uh, you know, aces on the staff. There's no there's no Kyle Hendricks uh, here. I mean, the Alzale ZRA is 3.6. We know what Zach Davies is. <laughs> Excuse me, Arietta's ERA is over five. So maybe this is a point, a, a time where they can sort of snap out of this a little bit before they have to go face the Mets again and Jacob deGrom on uh, on Friday in New York. I think Alzale has been pretty good recently. That does yeah. not at, at all uh, go against your point there that they're not facing aces or, or if maybe I'm just mistaken that I thought he had some uh, like four or five strong innings against the Padres uh, where they didn't look like they could hit anything. So, um, and you know, Davies, well, he hasn't been doing very well. Uh, we'll see what, uh, what the Padres can do. It's Weathers Lamette before Darvish. I'm very interested. An important start for Ryan Weathers. Um, Mm -hmm. seeing a team a second time in a row, the league has seen him a lot. He had his roughest outing against the Cubs. The guy is super impressive, but this is a, I believe this is a really important point in his season. Um, does his stuff continue to play as the league sees him more as a team, a veteran team sees him a second time. Uh, now it's not going to be at Wrigley. It's going to be at at Petco park, uh, at night. Uh, but but I'm very interested. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, the, although the Wrigley game that he pitched was not the really windy no. game, that was Paddock. Right. But but Weathers did give up a couple home runs at Wrigley. Tonight looks like it's going to be a sort of typical Petco, you know, spring evening where it's where it's gloomy and cloudy and the ball shouldn't carry, you know, like it did at Wrigley. So that's true. An interesting, uh, interesting start for him. Always interesting whenever Lamette, whenever Lamette pitches these days and um got up his has. pitch count very, very like i said before is that start last time um mm-hmm. i think that he's on the verge uh, he is uh and we're at least on the verge of seeing what he's what he's capable of and we didn't talk about blake snell at all we won't see him until the mets again uh, i right. think that's great look they were the right team to face that's not a team that that's not a team that makes you work very hard mm-hmm. they don't see a lot of pitches he gets to see him again hey maybe blake snell gets to put two in a row together and uh and and then you know they've been talking about the mindset and uh, and he yeah. gets rolling, but we can talk about Blake another time. But that was or super maybe, impressive. Or, or maybe the Mets adjust. Who knows? But Snell did look very good on on Friday night. I mean, he was consistently around ninety six, ninety seven with his fastball, going after guys, had great control. You know, he was a few feet from having a no hitter, continuing in that mm-hmm. uh, game. But he did a that was a that was quite a moment uh, after the the misplay by Fam on in the seventh inning where the tying run is at is at third base with nobody out and he and he pitched out of it against the I think the two three four hitters although I, I don't want to call Brandon Drury a four hitter but it still it was a great drop job by Snell in that situation I do want to bring up one thing because it drove me crazy on Friday night the Padres had a this again goes back to I don't know if Jace Tingler's pressing and sort of getting desperate for runs or or what but having Profar as the six hitter in the lineup, bunting with a runner on second when Profar's hitting left-handed, which has been his good his good side this year. He came up after a leadoff double and was bunting the runner, trying to bunt the runner over to third base. And then the next hitter, I think Profar ended up walking, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Mistaken. So they ended up, but why are you bunting a runner from second to third? I, I'll never understand that. Let him swing the bat. The, the Mets did it with Marcus Stroman yesterday, and then they let him swing the next time up, and the guy got a double. So bunting a runner from second to third with nobody out, I'll, I'll never understand. Maybe with a pitcher, but nobody else, and certainly not Profar. When you've got two guys coming up behind him who are 
you know, hitters who are sort of barely at the major league average or, or a little below average. And then asking Webster Rivas to bunt with first and second. I didn't understand. How many times do you think Webster Rivas has been putting down sacrifice bunts in his career? And even if he was so you're you're just going against everything that analytics tell you at that point. And I just can't believe that the front office of this team with the guys they have in that front office could think that that was a situation that they wanted to see with a guy bunting with first and second. I, I just, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I, I didn't want it to go unnoticed that don't be bunting in those situations, please. You, uh, you real this series and it was the right series to do it. This series, the, the situational hitting really got, got to you. It really, I could see that was something the last four days. They got to be better, right? They got to be better. Okay. That's what was our theme for this year. We're no longer talking about a team for the future. It's for now. Dang it. But I love that you started out by saying that there's 101 games to go, but again, uh, you know, like you said, in Bryce's column today, uh, panic, no concern. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, we can keep saying there's a, it's like, I, I think back to the time where they, when they were like eight and 10 and somebody said to me, what if they get swept this weekend? And, and, and like, okay, well, it'd be eight and 13 or whatever it was they, you know, there'd still be 140 something games to go. That number has dropped quite a bit. You know, after this, when we finish this series, it'll be under 100. That's still a long way. It's still more than half the season. But it doesn't mean that you you know can't point out things that are going on during, you know, during that time and, and reasons to uh, to be concerned. And, and one of the big concerns, and we've talked about this all along, is if they're going to be the wild card team, and we don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, the Dodgers have certainly not been what we thought they would be early in the year. I still can't bring myself to believe that the Giants are going to be there uh, at the top at the end, but I, and now I mean, you know, Longoria is out four to six weeks, but still the idea that the Padres could be the wild card and they could see Jacob deGrom or somebody like that in the wild card game, going to have situational hitting is the kind of thing that you're going to have to do in a game like that to push across a run, because that could be a, if he's pitching against Darvish in game in the wild card game, you know, that's not going to be a six, five game. Uh, and you're going to need a, it's going to be something where somebody's going to have to get a runner over and, you know, and hit a fly ball to bring him in or something like that could very well come down to whether you get to extend your season or not. And I would say that their situational hitting has been above average for the, for the entirety of the season. Your, your point is very well taken, very well taken. But I would say their situational hitting has been pretty good. Regarding the Giants, Jay, I'm, 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 it's a very interesting point, man. Look, they've gone further than uh, we would have imagined, and, and they may well do it. They have a veteran core that has been there. But it's mm-hmm. that veteran core and that bullpen that makes me go, is Longoria the first of the threads that, that, that comes right. out? Um, so uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with what they're doing, but it's just hard to believe that this is a team that is going to win you know, uh, 96 games and win the West. Right, right. But the, yeah. who knows? We've, we've been wrong before. I, I think it happens every once in a while, right? Okay, if you, I by have that, you mean several times a day, then yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, Cubs coming up for three, and uh, then the Padres hit the road again to face, oh, good, the Mets, and they're pitching again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll talk to you Friday. 